Session Convo, The Vegas Scoop, Week 7, Broadcasting Poolside. Welcome, welcome. You're tuned in to Session Conversation, NFL Podcast, The Vegas Scoop, Episode 3. Uh, we're excited to announce that this week we have a very good, very good fire sponsor. Tell them about it. We are now sponsored by Rhino Power Boats. Nice boat racing experience company out here in Las Vegas, Nevada. If you've never checked them out, rhinopowerboats.com. Some of the most impressive machines I've ever seen. Goes about 90 miles an hour forever in the area. Uh, check it out. If you're out in town you want to check them out and experience it a little bit, hit us up. Nice. All right. Uh, as you know, I am OG Flowers, joined once again by the Lip Service and AJ Scoop. Before we dive into Week 7 car, how do we do uh, in Week 6? How do we treat you guys? For me, it wasn't too rosy. One and four. Um, put Cleveland on instead of uh, Pittsburgh. That was a mistake. Uh, had a nice backdoor cover with Denver. Took a couple rough ones with Chicago and uh, New England. Overall, probably should have been more like a three and two week, but doesn't go your way every week. Just got to keep pedaling along at 14 and 16 overall now. It's going to probably take uh, 13 and two over the next three weeks to get back into it. And uh, for you know, for you new listeners, the the super contest—it's a fifteen hundred dollar buy-in out here in Las Vegas, held by the Westgate. First place is one point eight million, and uh, the lip service—he's uh, at eighty fourth overall now. Yeah, eighty fourth in the money right now. How was last week for you? It was good. Went uh, three and two. Got off to a really rough start. I made a decision to play uh, the Thursday night game. We were actually doing the podcast, so I could not get down there, but. Uh, Kelly in Vegas is my proxy service and put in a terrible play by me, but I was uh, grateful for the effort. So I lost that game. I was 0-1 going into Sunday's games. I had Tampa Bay in a really uh, close game, plus uh, f- uh, three and a half. They were up two. They kicked the field goal Atlanta from 57 yards to go up four, or excuse me, five, which uh, we had a chance at the end to cover. I lost that, so I was 0-2 off to a rough start. Later in the day, I had Denver. Uh, plus six and a half could have won either way as you mentioned uh, so that made up for the Tampa game to get to one and two and I did have two easy winners in uh, the Chargers against Cleveland and I also had Baltimore uh, pound uh, Tennessee on the road to get to uh, 19 nine and two 68 percent so far <laughs> not too shabby yeah not bad not bad um, all right well with uh, further ado let's start off the with the marquee matchup of the week where the New Orleans Saints will be traveling to Baltimore to take the Ravens as a, as a two-and-a-half-point uh, dog, what do, what do we think of here, Lip Service? You could take this one. Sure, I'll start with it. Um, I'm going to be using this game on my card. I've been bullish on the Baltimore all week, or excuse me, all all season. I've done well with them overall. Had a good uh, money line bet on them. That was a big play for me last week when they did win. Um, they've been traveling for three weeks, and um, they came out of it 2-1, and one, which I think is pretty solid in the NFL. They do uh, come home this week. And as a veteran club, I expect them to come home and get fat and lazy. I think they're going to come home. They're going to enjoy being in their beds. The season is a is a difficult one in the NFL. So spots like this, you can take them as almost a bye week where you're not pushing yourself mentally, those types of things. And I expect them to struggle in this game. I have looked at the forecast. It's supposed to be very windy. Um, most people would think that that's going to favor Baltimore, which it will in a way. They keep the ball on the ground. Um, they're not a pass-happy type of offense. And uh, that being said, New Orleans is uh, going to come in here off of a bye week. They've been playing extremely well. They do add uh, Mark Ingram back into the mix. And the way I look at a game like this is very similar 
to the way I looked at the Chargers last week, Scoop, when we had that uh, discussion that you were a little off on, is when you're seeing teams that you're not familiar with. Shots fired. Yeah. When you see a team that you're not very familiar with, I'm always going to take the more diversified offense. That being said, of course, Baltimore is, uh, you know, they lost uh, the week before with Cleveland. Cleveland knew them, so they were able to boggle them down a little on the offensive side of the ball. But uh, in Baltimore, held them the same way. But that will not simply not be the case in this game. The Chargers have, as I've been mentioning for weeks, a very prolific uh, tandem in the backfield that just continues to move. I mean, uh, we talked about it before. Eckler's an outstanding guy, third down back. He comes in, and Melvin Gordon is uh, needs to be talked about in the same uh, realm as uh, Todd Gurley and the boys. He's playing outstanding. Philip Rivers is playing great. Um, they're just going to be uh, too much in this, uh, or not, I'm sorry, not uh, Drew Brees has been great. I'm on the wrong side there. I apologize. But I, I lost track because I was on the other game. But like I said before, I'm sorry, New Orleans in this game is just going to be too much on offense. They're just, it's going to be tough for Baltimore, you know, to be in this spot and be there. Lost my track of mine. You can, you know, chime in here, Scoop, but there's no question New Orleans is my play. Um, I think between the uh, the handicap and the the Going off track there. Um, yeah, sorry. About I, that. I, I don't sense the strongest confidence, and uh, I see this game differently. I think first off, um, you got to see this Baltimore team coming back home. You know, since 2008 under John Harbaugh, this this Baltimore team 61 and 21 at home. That's third best in the NFL. They're tough to beat there. Um, with a competitive AFC North with with Cincinnati and and Pittsburgh and Cleveland all being very relevant. For to, to expect a 4-2 veteran team to come home against the New Orleans Saints, a team that, you know, I have as my Super Bowl pick, um, you know, to be fat and happy in a spot like that, I, I just don't see how that makes any sense at all. Um, this is a monster game. This is a game that, you know, the difference between 5-2 and two and 4-3 and three is, is a big deal in the NFL. Um Baltimore will be home for the for the entire month of November, and this is the the start of a home stretch where I expect to see a team that wants to separate themselves from the pack and prove that they are part of the AFC elite because I think they are. Now I'm glad you mentioned the weather and the wind because I think that is the biggest part of this handicap. We've seen Drew Brees a couple times before. This guy is getting a little bit up there in age. The arm strength is not elite. His accuracy is elite. We've seen him in the Dome. He's a little bit different in the Dome. It's a lot more dangerous. In Baltimore, against a secondary that has Jimmy Smith back with the elite safeties of Waddle and Jefferson, Brandon Carr. I mean, this is a deep secondary. This is a Baltimore defense that's top five against the runner and pass. New Orleans coming off their bye, emotional win on Monday night. If there's any team that's going to come out with a little bit lower energy, I think it would be New Orleans. Now, I don't necessarily love the spot for Baltimore after the three games on the road coming back home. You know, you could start a little bit slow if you're Baltimore. But to me, when Baltimore has the football, a key matchup is going to be Patrick Robinson, who's now on IR for the New Orleans Saints, the slot corner. With him out... We've seen Willie Sneed start to pick up here in the last two weeks, and he gives an added dimension to this offense that they just haven't had in years past. I think you're going to see Lattimore out on Crabtree. You're going to see John Brown potentially get loose for a deep one, but this is going to be a heavy dose of running from Baltimore, control the clock, um, you know, mid-20s type of game. It might sneak there and get to the over about 27-24, but in a game with wind and points at a premium as far as discrepancy in the two teams, um, I think Justin Tucker could be a big, big uh, 
part of this game as far as getting Baltimore to the window. I don't know if Baltimore makes my card a plus two and a half, but they're in the four to five range. Um, I just think Baltimore is the right side with with the public going to be very heavy on New Orleans in this game as the road uh, road underdog. Yeah, I hear you. Um, again, when you're talking about the weather and those types of issues, a lot of times, whether you're an explosive offense or you're not, you're not going to be able to utilize and be ex- as explosive as possible. So in, in that scenario where I get mixed up before, I'm coming back to this situation where they're going to exploit mash- uh, excuse me, matchups uh, with uh, players that are just not familiar with other players. And um, New Orleans is uh, more than capable of running any style of offense in any types of conditions, um, and they've been getting better as we've been moving along. There's no question this New Orleans team now has an identity to be able to run the ball. We saw it last year when they went on that run of, of all those uh, wins in the middle of the season, like the, the game at Buffalo when they put up 40 and just ran at the entire second half. So this offensive line for New Orleans is real. This this New Orleans team is real. They're, they're, they're a real Super Bowl threat. But as far as this matchup, it's an interesting one. And uh, speaking of Super Bowl, what do you, how do you feel about Super Bowl, uh, Joe? Do you think, uh, you know, with the, with all the hype that Drew Brees got in the last couple of weeks, you think he's ready for the big game? You think that's his uh, kind of gets him going, or what, what do you think about that? Yeah, Joe Flacco, January Joe. We've seen this in his career. He he likes to play against these big name quarterbacks. He struggled a little bit the last two games. Both of them were in a little bit soggy conditions with Cleveland and. Uh, the game last week against Tennessee, only one touchdown, two interceptions. I think Flacco, um, you know, when you're playing in the wind, something that's nice to have is a cannon for an arm, and Flacco's got the best in the league as far as that's concerned, uh, maybe may, may besides Mahomes. But in the wind, um, you know, the Alex Collins going, short passing game to Snead, maybe a couple deep threats to Brown. I think Baltimore has some success on offense. Tucker will put him over the top, and uh, Ravens come out in a, in a fun one. Yeah, one last thing I want to I do want to say about this game is is with the handicapping that I've done in liking New Orleans in this spot, I've done the handicapping where I've moved Baltimore as the best defense in pro football. I thought Jacksonville was. I think Baltimore right now is the defense you can trust the most in pro football. So I've actually thrown that into the equation. But when it comes to matchups and teams you're not ready for, I'm going to take teams that have more dynamic offenses to control the outcome, and that's why I like New Orleans. It is a passing league. It's hard to fault you. Nice. Uh, okay, so uh, next up, we had the Detroit Lions. Uh, they're coming off their bye week, heading down to Miami uh, to take on the Wild Boy, Brock Oswald and you. <laughs> yeah, Brock Oswald and the Dolphins. So uh, this line here is also two and a half uh, with the Lions being favored. What do you think about this one, Scoop? Yeah, when I look at Detroit and Miami, the first thing that just sticks out like a sore thumb is uh, the quarterback mismatch and the weaponry mismatch. With Detroit, with Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay, and uh, Golden Tate, you know, you got one of the top five receiving trios in the league. Um, And, you know, this NFL is all about infusing young talent into your team. And you look at Miami, you know, not many new faces that we didn't see last year. And on the other side, you got Detroit, who Kenny Galladay missed a lot of time last year. And then they bring in Kerryon Johnson, who, you know, his usage has been a little perplexing so far. But if they get him a little bit more into the mix against a Miami team that's really struggled against running backs in the passing game, um, sprinkled in with those receivers, um, you know, Matt Stafford versus Brock Osweiler is uh, is a mismatch. So, you know, Miami, you know, people are going to remember that game last week, emotional win. Tough to come back sometimes from a game like that. Detroit, on the other hand. 
you know, coming out of their bye off a nice win against Green Bay, you know, you could make the argument that they could be a little complacent because of the big win and, and, and kind of going in their bye a little, little lackadaisical. But, and we've seen teams struggle coming out of their bye this year in 2018. But to me, when, you know, this is another game where the division you're in is very important because we're, you know, competition's everything in life. And the NFC North, just like the AFC North, is super competitive. All three teams are very relevant. And a 3-2 and two Detroit team going down to Miami, this is a borderline must-win if you have any playoff aspirations. You said all three teams in the NFC North. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know. Hold four. on, wait a second. What do we but, got here? No disrespect to your Bears, but... Um, <laughs> You know, first place bear. Well, Chicago's the worst team in the division. It might be the case. Well, well I think it is. We'll, we'll get to that here in a little bit. All right, here's my take on this. <clears throat> this game, to me, is going to be a, about one thing, one thing only. I want to see what Matt Patricia brings to the table. All right, he knows this Miami Dolphins team. He understands, being a defensive coordinator, how to stop them, uh, things that are involved from that aspect. Of course, now... And with Patricia, you know... He's experienced a lot of bad days on Sundays down in Miami. Yeah, so. they've they, they, they played him tough. So he understands it's not going to be a cupcake here. For sure. Now, that being said, of course, you're going to throw in some different uh, wrinkles with uh, Osweiler quarterback. That played well. Um, Miami, like I said before, has been underrated in a lot of aspects, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Um, the offensive line, uh, the woes that they had last week, and all the experts were on Chicago, of course. I told you I didn't like that side. Um Larry Tunsil is probably Larry Tunsil may be the best offensive lineman in the game. And he played. And last week he played very well. And he's going to be playing again this week. So that being said, I haven't given you any, you know, lean whatever. This is a game I'm actually thinking about for the card. I do not think it's going to make my card. It's probably going to be six or seven. I hate the line on the game. I actually thought they would open Miami as a short favorite here and really try and drive Detroit into teasers, but they haven't. They've opened it up at two and a half on Detroit. And it's moved to three. Now, I don't know if the early move in the week has anything to do with setting up the number for the experts to come on Detroit here, or excuse me, Miami later. But um, just because there's a quarterback change in the NFL doesn't mean anything, okay? We're talking about Ryan Tannehill, who to me is a below-average quarterback to begin with. It's not like we're, we're taking Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes out of the game. We're taking the system quarterback out of the game that they've already basically told that they don't want him back next year because they don't believe in him. And they're bringing in a, a kid that has talent, He's been put in basically unwinnable situations in my mind in Denver with all the pressure from Elway and all the, the nonsense that had to go on there. Well, he's gone down here and he's freeing it up and he's playing football. And normally when you're not thinking and you're playing freely, you play well. All that being said, I still do favor Detroit slightly in that game, but I'm not in love with it. Yeah, I'm not in love with it either. Um, I think Adam Gase is a better coach than Patricia. But, uh, you know, I think there's a difference between just kind of getting thrown into the fire a couple you know, a couple hours before the game, get to go in there with nothing to lose, and all of a sudden you're Brock. You know, people expect you to play well. And I don't know if you watched the game last week. Brock looked like the old Brock at times. You know, he throws a pick six that gets returned down to the five-yard line, and, you know, it was the classic no-arm strength, um, slow thinker that somehow so you, you're just, somehow managed to get two NFL franchises to pay him 70 and you know 20 million so you just think that Detroit's just uh three points better to go on the road into Miami and just uh you know that's that's no problem just take care of business no, not at all. far from in love with it but um I agree with you Detroit has weapons these wide receivers for Detroit this uh Kenny Galladay I mean this guy is a borderline stud 
I mean, it, he, he's he, a number. He, he's he's borderline a, number one. He's a baby AJ Green. Absolutely. I mean, I mean he has a lot of uptake. He reminds me of Herman Moore going up and you know in that building back in the past or whatever the dome was they had then. But uh, I'm going to stay off of it. But I, I do lean slightly towards Detroit. Right there with. And you. it's Detroit, not Detroit. I think it's Detroit. D Town. Okay. Uh, next up, uh, we have the G Men. Uh, heading down to the A uh, to take on Atlanta. They got Atlanta minus six on this one. This is an interesting one. A team that's giving six points in this game has given up 37. We don't know what the card is yet. It could be five, somewhere in that range. If Honestly, I, I, I'm betting that they they put it five and a half because I agree. there's no way in life the Giants should be getting six points here. They shouldn't be getting five and a half either. This line should be more like three. The Falcons have given up 37.5 points per game since these injuries have happened. Deion Jones, this is one of the fastest linebackers in the league. I touched on it every week. Without him on the field, their defense cannot operate. They force other teams to throw the ball to the running back because they don't have the coverage skills to do so in the back end with both safeties out as well. Well, Saquon Barkley, as you guys have seen on primetime now, with 23 catches in the two primetime games, 40 on the season, this is a dream matchup for Barkley. He, you know, double 10, I'd say 8 to 9 catches is his floor with a ceiling of about 14, 15. Now, obviously, game script will come into play with that, but with Barkley being the dynamic player that he is, and now you're going to get an offensive spark back with Evan Ingram. Missed the last three games. He's with, definitely going to play? More than likely. Um, very optimistic that he plays. With Evan Ingram back in that offense, it's a completely different offense. Now all of a sudden Odell gets less treatment. Sterling Shepard, Odell. And don't let's not get it twisted. Eli Manning hears the critics because they're very loud in New York. And his play has been bottom three in the NFL. I mean, Josh Allen and Eli Manning, two worst quarterbacks in the NFL so far. And with Eli on the big stage, 10 days to prepare, after listening, you know, this, you know, one of the golden rules in the NFL is bet on teams that are coming off of just brutal primetime performances. And that's the case with the Giants. They get blown out at home on Thursday night against the rival Eagles. Now they get to go play against a cupcake defense that's completely beat up. I mean, honestly, uh, if the Giants were posted minus one with this card being a little bit uh, tougher than, than weeks in the past, in my opinion, I might even play the Giants at minus one. I don't see how this Atlanta defense is giving anyone points. And uh, also, one little sprinkle with the Giants. Although they've struggled defensively a little bit, their strength has been red zone defense. And we've seen with Atlanta, they've been hot recently in the red zone, but the sample size of them struggling in the red zone is a lot greater. And if the Giants can bend but don't break, maybe, just maybe, Olivier Vernon will decide to play football again. If he does, that'd be a huge oh, he'll get be back. in better shape here. Yeah, no, he, if he did play, he won't be in great shape. But even 20 snaps of Vernon would help. Um, but this Giant team, they strike me as the group, a type of group that, you know, enjoys being doubted, enjoys, uh, you know, a chance to play the underdog role. And I think they'll be comfortable in that on Monday night. <clears throat> Yeah, I got to dig into the game a little bit more here. I want to see what's happening with Kelvin Ridley. He was dinged up in the last game. I'm sure he's going to go, but if he's not 100%, then that's a blazer that uh, slows down on that offense. Um, Devontae Freeman has been put on IR. He's had a bunch of issues, so now they're trying to rotate uh, the backfield. It takes out some weaponry there. I do agree with you that this matchup for the Giants offense is absolutely ridiculous for Eli Manning. Um, any quarterback that is struggling with confidence, just go find Tampa Bay, go find Atlanta, 
and you're gonna you're gonna get it back quickly. That being said, there's no way the Giants get back into it. The reason that I'm probably gonna stay off of this game is because I'm 0-2 with the Giants this year. I lost with them last week. I lost with them, uh, I believe it was the week before, maybe two weeks prior uh, with New Orleans. And um, I have a terrible feel for the Giants. I'm listening to everything you say, and a lot of it makes sense. But I've fallen into the trap of taking the Giants, and I've been buried with them both times. They probably have been my worst two picks of the contest. They, 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 they covered 40 against Carolina. They did. That's true. So in between, I did squeeze in it. You're right. But that was a, a play that I took off the card because of some experts. I really did like Detroit more than that. So I was never really even sold on that but, to but begin with. But they still got you to the win. It got me to the win, but I had a, an easier win on another card. So, eh. But that being said, the Giants, I agree with you. Just offensively, they're, they're just going to be able to move the ball in this game. Um, Atlanta, on the, you know, now they have Matt Bryant that, uh, that blows his hamstring out on the field goal that beat me last week. He's going to be out. So they're bringing in, uh, I think, very good point. You know, and he's a good home kicker. I mean, he's a solid kicker. If the Giants are playing good red zone defense and Atlanta gets put in a couple kicking situations, we've seen some, we've seen it's hard to get a good kicker in the NFL. Yeah. And when your starter gets hurt, it can be pro, it can oh, be problematic. Sure. Absolutely. You know, it it it, it uh, interferes with coaching and uh, you know other other uh, things in there. But um, yeah, I just see that uh, you know the Giants are going to move the ball this game. But you know. Looking at Atlanta last week with Tampa Bay, you know, they kick a field goal at the end to cover, but I'm not saying that was a bad beat because Atlanta was scoring, you know, consistently. They've been consistent all year. Uh, I thought Matt Ryan would be a little more dinged up in last game. He looked fine. He's been putting up some huge numbers this year. So, you know, I could see Atlanta putting, you know, torch in this Giants, you know, you know, team in general. And if the Giants do get behind the eight ball early in this, what do they do? Does Beckham, you know, is he going to be a, you know, is he going to be a teammate or is he going to be, you know, you know, you just don't know. So just as a, you know, a team in general, it's very hard to trust the Giants right now. Uh, what about what about uh, the fourth-year player out of Clemson, uh, Grady Jarrett, defensive tackle? What's his impact? He's, he's looking like he's questionable. Uh, what's his impact if he plays or does not play? Yeah, no, big, big difference in this game of Grady Jarrett's on the field. He's uh, their best run defender. Big, big performances in the Super Bowl against New England. He went Super to Clemson, Bowl. right? All those Clemson guys are always hurt, aren't they? Sure seems like it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no. With the Giants' offensive line really struggling and being bottom of the league and rushing, if they can get a little bit of run game going with Barkley with Jared out, all of a sudden that opens things up. You start getting Ingram over the middle. Um, you know Beckham loves the bright lights, so I just expect this Giants team to play free, nothing to lose. You know, one and five now, so go out slinging a little bit. You got a lot of talent on offense going against a defense that's got so five you, starters. You, you out. just trust Eli. You trust him in this game. You know, in the dome, um, mm-hmm. you know, arm strength, you know, I think this is the opposite, a little bit of the breeze situation. In the dome, Eli's lack of arm strength, you know, it's a little bit easier to throw the ball in the dome. And it's a lot easier to throw the ball when your when your receivers are wide open, like I think they'll be Monday night. All right, cool. Uh, moving on, we have, um, yeah, we, we got America's team, uh, the Dynamic Cowboys, Dak's team, looking like he's uh, trying to take a hold of that quarterback position pretty well here. Kind of had, you know, second guesses about him as being the starting quarterback, but he's looking like he might be able to pull it together. I like Jalen Smith. Uh, I like their defense. They're coming around. But uh, they're headed to the nation's capital, uh, take on the Redskins as a 1.5 dog, um, one and a half dog. <laughs> I'm getting it together, yeah, Washington's y'all. favorite by one and a half, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So lip service, what, what do you think on this one? Well, this game's going to make my card. There's no question. And it's 100% Washington. We've been seeing Dallas go on the road all year, and they stink on the road. Um, 
the only thing in this game that would concern me from betting Washington is is uh, one thing, and that's Sean Lee coming back. You know, he can certainly be on the defensive side of the ball and uh, add to what already is a good defense. There's no question, but they've played better at home. And Dallas last week against Jacksonville looked fantastic. Jacksonville looked absolutely as bad as you could ever see them. So in saying that, Dallas is going to come into this game one of two ways. First of all, they're not well coached. So are they going to come in and try and run the offense and be dynamic and stay in the game, make some plays down the field? Or are they going to put Dak Prescott in harm's way? Now, for the short term, if you're a Dallas fan, you're absolutely saying, run pass option. Let's have Dak Prescott get on the ground. Let's get as many yards as we can. Let's be, you know, diversified. Well, that works easier at home. It doesn't work as well on the road. And, again, Dallas has been terrible on the road. They just don't have the playmakers on offense to compete on the road. They have an outstanding running back. Offensive line is, you know, slightly above average they don't have their best you know the center who is outstanding still and he won't be playing let's move over to Washington okay no problem we're going to get Chris Thompson back great he's going to play Doxton's going to be in he looks like he's going to be you know healthy um Adrian Peterson you have multiple tight ends Alex Smith is very serviceable you're at home I like Washington in this game they had Carolina come in last week they beat them it got a little closer at the end but it wasn't close for a lot of it Washington was dominating that game against Carolina and Washington is better than Dallas or excuse me uh, Carolina is better than Dallas they can move the ball more they have a better quarterback they have you know a better de- you know coaching staff so Washington to me here is a very high play for me no question they're going to be on my card I see this game a little bit differently as well. I, Good I, for me. We'll see. Um, with Dallas, I think this this game. I mean, the obvious difference in this whole handicap in this game is is now that Dak Prescott's being utilized in the running game. Last week, 11 carries, season high, 82 yards. And when Dak's running the ball, it's a completely different team. Now, one thing with Washington. This is this is a bad run defense. Third worst in stuff rate, third worst in short yardage situations. With Zeke Elliott pounding the ball, playing on the grass in the nation's capital, another game that could potentially have you know a little bit more chilly weather, more of a running type of game. Washington's advantage is definitely through the air, so I think the running game is a little bit of an advantage here. One of the key matchups I'll be looking at is Kyle Fuller versus Cole Beasley in the slot. If Fuller can get the best of Beasley, that will definitely help your handicap of, of taking Washington. I don't know for sure if I'll be on Dallas here. I lean Dallas at the moment. But this Dallas defense, sneaky good. Top 13 in the NFL. But they are 23rd against the pass, but 5th against the rush. With Sean Lee potentially back in this game, David Irving back from suspension, this Dallas defense is tough to score on. With Jalen Smith and Van Der Esch at, at linebacker, both with double-digit tackles last week, this Dallas defense is, I mean, they're good. It's that simple. I think Dallas has the energy advantage early here. Um, coming off of the big win against Jacksonville, going on the road, a lot of people st- still think this team's a fraud. they got a lot to prove to the world. And when you look at Washington, in their last two home games, they played Green Bay and they played Carolina. They jumped out to 14-0 leads in both games playing against teams that came and kind of just sleptwalked to the first quarter. And one thing about Alex Smith, not Blake Bortles-ish to that extreme, but he's a different quarterback playing with a lead than he is playing from behind. 
whoever gets the lead in this game, it'll be crucial because Dallas, this is an offense last year that was seventh in the NFL when playing at a tie or a game within three points. When they were playing from seven or down or more, they went to 30th. They're not built to play from behind. Um, Washington's not built to play from behind. Whatever team starts off nice in this game, it'll be a big deal to see who comes out on top. All right, here's who you got to watch in this game. The key for Washington defensively in this game is going to be Josh Norman. He's going to lock down an entire side of the field. They'll man-to-man him, whoever he is on the split out to his side. I don't even think he'll move. They'll line him up one side. So whatever side that is lined up to him, they'll lock down man. And they're going to play some coverages for Dak Prescott that's going to have some some difficulty in confusing him in throwing the ball. They are going to have to throw the ball at some point. You understand that, Scoop, right? Uh, that who is, are they throwing that, it to now? That is part of the game. Yeah, who are they throwing it to, you said? Uh, we got Michael Gallup, Cole Beasley, well, Alan Hearns. Swain, the tight end. Swain. And these other, yeah. I yeah, mean, no, how, these, it, these are starters you're talking about. It's not much. These aren't just guys on rosters. These are starters that you're talking about. You know, and this is why in a game when you play against a Carolina team that's better against the run than they are against the pass, a Dallas team will struggle. And Dallas on the road is his. How have they been? This just happens to be a Washington team whose weakness is run defense. So this isn't the worst matchup for Washington Dallas. Washington is hands down the second best team in that division, closely behind Philadelphia. And the Giants and Dallas are very close to the worst teams in football, especially Dallas on the road. Dallas can play at home. We've said that. This is a road game. This has not changed. This is a road game D- for Dallas. Dallas is not like you trust Bo- Dak, Dak Prescott on the road. Dallas is Dallas on is, the road. Dallas is a team. He's who, garbage on Dal- the road. Dallas is a team who's not been a great home team. They've actually fared well more so on the road when they had that thirteen and three season. They don't have a great home That's field advantage. They, have they don't have weapons anymore. But but this is about home field and going on the road. I don't think home field's a huge deal. You're in underestimating this spot. Washington. This, They're better than Dallas. This game's about playing on grass, running the football, controlling the clock, and Dak Prescott putting his body in harm's way. If he, if he comes to the game and doesn't get hurt, advantage Cowboys. Okay. I like it. Next up, we have uh, the Cleveland Browns heading down south to take on Mr. Eater Dove himself. Jameis Winston, uh, Tampa Bay's a three-point chalk here. This is a this is a great game. I'm very excited. Two quarterbacks that I'm high on, uh, two teams that I'm just really intrigued by, and uh, they come into this game in interesting spots. Cleveland coming off of a just brutal performance, worst loss of Baker Mayfield's life. Um, plays bad, gets hurt, holds the ball too long. Um, just just a day from hell for Cleveland. Um, everything went right for the Chargers. Everything went wrong for the Browns. Uh, meanwhile, the Bucks coming off of a game where uh, they had no business losing. Um, just couldn't execute in the red zone. Jameis throws two interceptions. Um, you're playing against a defense that's not guarding anybody, and you can only come away with 29 points. Tampa Bay, uh, you know, everyone wants to talk, you know, like myself, everyone wants to talk about this Atlanta defense and how bad they are. The truth is is that the worst defense in the NFL by a wide margin is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This team against the pass coming in the season was projected as a bottom two secondary. Then they lost Vernon Hargraves, the IR, and Chris Connie. And this team is playing backups at key positions on defense. They just fired a defensive coordinator. They're just not good. Atlanta's receivers, Matt Ryan starts the game 12, 13 completions in a row, like just wide open. It's third and nine. I'm sitting here watching the game just expecting a first down. Um... Now, Cleveland, obviously without Josh Gordon, not the quite the weaponry that they had coming into the season, but this is a great matchup for David Njoku. Tampa Bay 29th against a tight end, Njoku, superstar on the rise. Sprinkling a little Duke Johnson coming out of the backfield, another weakness of Tampa Bay's. And, uh, you know, to me, this handicap's simple. Tampa Bay, 
has no business giving anybody in the NFL outside of Buffalo three points, let alone a Cleveland team who I think has a real threat to fight to be an AFC wildcard team. T- Cleveland, top six in defensive efficiency. Tampa Bay, 32nd. Cleveland moves the ball a little bit more than uh, you know they have in a couple weeks past. Let's get some offensive frustration off. And uh, in the end, you know defenses that play well against the pass, farewell against Tampa Bay, and I think Cleveland will. Yeah, Tampa Bay uh, this week. Uh, this play, this is definitely going to be on my card. Tampa Bay. It's going to be minus three on the card. It's a definite play. Everything you said about Tampa Bay's defense is 100% true. They are absolutely garbage against the pass. Well, guess who can't pass? Cleveland. They have no weapons. Another team that has no weapons. Higgins is out again. I mean, Njoku is a, is a good tight Higgins end. Higgins might be back, Higgins and Landry and Njoku are real weapons. You are Landry wrong. Landry is not 100%. He does everything from six yards in. They're going to give him all that. Tampa Bay is going to score in this game. I mean, this is ridiculous. I We had a long debate last week against the Chargers in Cleveland. Do you remember that debate? You actually put Cleveland on your card. I couldn't believe that actually came up on your card. <laughs> yeah. that, I mean, that to me is like... That is, that is like what like first of all what are you thinking what are you looking at in this game for Cleveland considering I have the Chargers as a 12 win team to win their division playing Cleveland in that that's game that's your excuse for picking Cleveland last no, no, week no. awful Con- considering that absolute malpractice no question about it okay well Tampa Bay can move the football we've seen that I'm going into exa- I'm I'm doing exactly what you just said Tampa Bay can- you said they're terrible against the pass right. The worst. Absolutely. Well, Cleveland can't throw the ball. I disagree. I think Baker Mayfield's a future star. I don't. I think he's going to be out of the year in th- league in three years with injury. He's too small. Listen to me. Jameis Winston in this matchup dominates the quarterback position. Dominates it. We're going to find out. Well, I mean, you tell me in this game what you like about Cleveland. I like the matchup for Landry. I like the matchup for <laughs> Najoku. I think Duke Johnson gets more involved. Um... The one thing about this uh, Cleveland I, defense, me, no, would, no, last week the Chargers exploited Cleveland on the ground. Last year they were a, a stout run defense, top five. This year with these studs on, these three blue chippers on the defensive line for Cleveland, Miles Garrett, Emmanuel Ogba, and Larry Ujanubli at D-tackle, between these three, for them to be 22nd against the run through six weeks is a crime. And, well, very similar to the Pittsburgh-Tampa Bay type of handicap, Tampa Bay can't run the ball. Dead last in rushing efficiency, dead last in defense efficiency. And Cleveland, if you're going to exploit them, it's not through the air. They're top four against the pass. They got some veterans sprinkled in with Denzel Ward, who is a future superstar at corner. Between Mayfield and Denzel Ward, the 2018 draft for the Cleveland Browns is going to be a game changer. Okay, I, I think in this game for Tampa Bay to cover the three number, I don't even think they'd have to run the ball one time. One time in the entire game, I don't think they would have to run to cover that three number. Do you want me to go into the offensive weapons for Tampa Bay again? They went up and down the field against uh, Atlanta. Of course, they're no good. We know that. Jameis has come in. Jameis is a top 10 quarterback in this league. You got the, you know, I three. I think that's a bit of a reach, but okay, I, am, well, I am high on Jameis. Other yeah. Than the Bears game, they've been putting up for some pretty good numbers. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean this, this offense can move the ball. This offense is dynamic. I mean, yes, they don't run the ball per se as, as well as all the teams in football. But they don't have to. I mean, Barber's come out and made some plays from the passing game down there. They have two outstanding tight ends, three excellent wide receivers. They just fired the defensive coordinator for a reason. 
yes, they do have a lot of injuries on that defensive side of the boat or the ball, but I'm sticking to my guns here. Cleveland can't get the ball downfield. And Baker Mayfield was dinged up last week, and they may be hiding that. You know, if Mayfield's not 100%, that, that changes this game for sure. But He admitted may... after the game that he wasn't 100%. No, no, for sure. Last Sunday he wasn't, but, you know, he could be good good to go for this one. I think at the end of the day, this, this handicap's simple. The margin between Tampa Bay's defense and Cleveland's is wider than the gap between the two offenses. Okay. Uh, next up, we have the New England Patriots heading to the field of soldiers as a three-point chalk to take on the Bears. Uh, what do we... What do we think about this one? Which way, who's taking this one? I'll give it to Scoop. With, with, with New England-Chicago, um, we have one of the more interesting quarterback matchups uh, of the week. Tom Brady versus Mitch Trubisky. And, you know, Mitch is a guy that you, you watch him throw, you, you watch highlights of him, and you go like, man, this guy could be a star. But the thing is, is the quarterback position is you can make the argument maybe 85 to 90% mental. And that's just not Trubisky's strong suit. Low Wonderlick score, not a high IQ kid. You ever hear him in interviews, he just he's just not very bright. And when you combine that with a propensity to get a little tight in big stages, we saw him against Green Bay in the second half when Rodgers applied the pressure. Uh, he folded like a $2 lawn chair. And with Brady coming to town, with those weapons Brady has, this is something that he's never had in his career. Not, not even the Randy Moss offense. Was has the chance to be as efficient as this one. Brady, you know, Moss and Brady would hit you with the deep stuff, but between Edelman for the six to eight yarders, Gronk over the middle, Josh Gordon once he gets back into full football shape, this new and then James White coming out of the backfield with a first round Sony Michelle and a top five offensive line and pass protection and adjusted line yards and rushing. I don't know how you stop him. You saw him last week score forty three. This New England offense is special. And people are going to remember the two road games that New England struggled at Detroit and at Jacksonville. And this, the thing is, is this is just a different team than we saw in those two road games. I don't think we see another sleepwalk on the road for New England. They're fighting for home field advantage. They just sent their statement to Kansas City. We're coming for the one seed, and it's going to continue this week. I think Trubisky's in over his head. Yeah, no question here. Um, major, major mismatch in this all around. Um for any coaches out there that are looking for film on how to play Chicago, it is very simple. Miami showed you that last week. You take a back out of the backfield, you chip Mac every single play, whether you're the first option or fourth option. You chip him out of the play, you slow him down. The rest of the team just doesn't have the playmaking ability on the defensive side of the ball. I think Julian Edelman on this side in this game has 10 catches. I think Gronk can be a monster. Like you said, Sony Michelle can run the football. Uh, and again, I look at Chicago on one way if I'm New England. Take Tariq Cohen out of the game. Jordan Howard is a terrible running back in the, in today's football. Shoot, the Bears took Jordan Howard out of the game. The defense don't even have to. The Bears it, don't even utilize him. It, well, they can't. The game is it's too fast. It's up and down. It, it, it you know I mean for a third and one bring him in. For a fourth and one bring him in. Yeah. I mean other than that, put him on special teams. He's too slow. You know I mean. If you want to grind it out and use them a little bit between the 20s, that's fine. Yeah, maybe when it gets cold and whatnot. Yeah, I agree with you. But, you know, we're, we're talking about New England. If it gets cold, who plays better in cold weather than Brady? Nobody. Good point. Nobody in the history of football. I was just talking about the use of Jordan Howard in the long run. So, Khalil Mack, back to that, he's uh, 
listed as day to day right now. Yes, he was dinged up in the last game. He played. He's he, you know he, even if he's at eighty percent, he may still be the best player in the game. So I don't mm. read anything into an injury there. Uh, I'm like eighty percent max, not well, the best. Okay, ninety percent. Last fine. week he dinged up the ankle. And, 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 and the, the, the shocking stat of the week, maybe the sh- most shocking stat okay. I've seen all season is Chicago playing against one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL with zero sacks. Zero. Go look at the coaching staff. They chipped him all game. The, hey, one, the hey. running back came out and chipped him all game. There's no way that they weren't going to double him every single play. Brock was getting it out very fast. Yeah, but they were doubling him every play. And, and, and who comes out of the backfield better than anybody in the NFL? No, I think James White. I think James White's one of the most underappreciated talents. Absolutely, in the he's going to come out and chip him, and then get into the flat and make plays when they want him. But he, I don't care if he's the number one option. He Belichick will make sure everybody chips him every single play, and that'll be the end of it. I see this game maybe in the first half being somewhat competitive, being at home, Chicago hanging around. But I see easy plays being made throughout the game. New England is on my card. You know, it's nice to agree for once uh, here today. But well, for you it is, not I, for me. I like the debate. But I like uh, going against you. The the little sneaky variable in this game, last week Chicago in 100 degrees down in Miami plays 79 snaps, 20 more than their average to the first five games of the season. Now you come home, body takes a couple more days to you know, recoup. Against a team you don't know. And yeah, team you're not familiar with that, like I said, these weapons are special. Yeah, we're on the side, the same side there. New England for sure. All right, and the last but not least, we have the Tennessee Titans and the L.A. Chargers overseas in London for this one. Um, for an early Sunday morning kickoff, the Chargers are six point uh, six and a half favorite. What are we thinking? I'm going to take this one. Um, you know, you were talking about going back to the uh, New England game, you know, with Kansas City last week. New England, you know, getting in there and for home field advantage versus Kansas City. I could still see this Chargers team winning this division. This team is awesome on offense. They present a lot of matchups, problems. Can you imagine if Hunter Henry didn't get hurt? Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, but they have guys going I almost, up. I almost cried when I got that news. I love Hunter. I mean, they have a guy. Uh, who's the wide receiver last week that's running up and, you know, diving out and grabbing moons out of the sky? I mean, oh, for the, Tyrell the, the Gazelle. Yeah, I know. He's probably one of the best in the NFL. There's three guys on him. He goes up and makes plays. He, he's, he's a talented deep ball guy. There's no question. Yeah, but, I mean, besides that. Like I talked about and chimed in earlier on the wrong game here, these running backs present a lot of problems. And, you know, I I didn't want to bring it up because I felt bad for you last week already, but we had that little discussion about, you know, the Titans being a playoff team possibly in your mind. I mean, this team is the worst team in football. This team misses Delani Walker more than any team does on offense at any position. You mentioned that earlier in the week to me. There's no question. This team has zero weapons. Again, this is another type of offense that if I am the Chargers, I'm taking away Deion Lewis. And Deion Lewis isn't the most explosive player in the league that I've seen. He's had multiple knee injuries. But guess what else they have? They have a running back that shouldn't be in the league anymore. He's in the wrong era. He should be playing back with no helmets on and Derrick Henry. This guy is zero offense. Mariota got sacked a total of 11 times last week. Some quarterbacks don't get sacked at for half of a season. You tell me what Tennessee's going to do on you know the offensive side of the ball in here. I understand it's in London. All the concerns. The Chargers are looking to get a bye in the AFC. They've lost to two teams that are undefeated in you know in the NFL. You know, and other than that, they have basically torched people. And I expect them to torch this game. And this game will be over at halftime. 
So any of you people out there that like teasers, tease the Chargers with every single game and get them at pick them and then find your sides. But in the contest, I believe it's going to be six and a half. The card's coming out here. They're probably going to make mine. They'll win this game by 17 easy. I think when you, uh, first off, with the Titans, um, I don't think they're a, a, a real team. I don't think they're a playoff team. Um, Good for you. If they were, it would only be the, the product of an easier schedule. But as far as that offense, you know, going into the season with Matt LaFleur, everyone thought this was going to be one of the sneaky new explosive offenses with these fun toys to play with. And uh, the Delaney Walker injury has turned out to become a big deal that no one wants to talk about. Very similar. Both teams starting tight ends are out in this game, Hunter Henry and, Derek and uh, Delaney Walker. And the thing about Walker is, you know, this is a veteran guy. Everybody loves him in the locker room. Nice blocker. You know, the run game has really not been the same this season. Derrick Henry looks a step slow. Uh, Dion's having trouble in the new system. And Mariota got hurt. You know, he doesn't look very good. He isn't very good. And he might just not be, you know, it's funny because people make the comment about, you know, obviously Blake Bortles is uh, – far from being a natural thrower of the football. And I think Marcus Mariota, when I, when I watch tape on him, it reminds me very similar of the same thing. With Mariota, the ball just doesn't come out of his hand very naturally. He's not a great thrower of the football. And when you see this Charger team on offense, they are just good. There's no other way to put it. I mean, two good running backs out of the backfield. Keenan Allen hasn't really even done much at they all this season. Them. And they haven't needed him. That just shows how good they have been. Now, you look at the schedule, hasn't been the toughest. They have a good offensive um, line, the Chargers, too. Yeah, no, that that's one of the sneaky variables of the Chargers was in the offseason they improved the uh, both offense and defensive lines, which is why I projected this team as a 12-win team to win the division and represent the AFC in the Super Bowl to face the Saints. But when I look at this game, the London variable is important. I don't see how, without a home field advantage, the Chargers are given six and a half points here. My power ratings have this number at like three and a half, four. They should be given six and a half for the first half. I don't see it the same way. Now, the Titans, they're coming all, we all seen this in the NFL. Team just looks terrible. And then all of a sudden, the next they Sunday, look the week it looks different. Buffalo? No, that's that that makes this even more of a the better spot for Tennessee. The worst 3-1 team in the history how of often, football how, ever. how often in the NFL does a team just have a terrible performance three straight weeks? Very often when you have the talent that the, the Titans have. You know, the only teams that And do, I expect it again this the week. Only teams what are you do, waiting The only for? teams that do things like that are your Bills. I mean, because we know Josh Allen can't play any football with that completion percentage. Oh, okay. But when you look at, when you look at the Titans... They got to wake up offensively, and Mario has got to use his athleticism. You know this Charger defense. He's not is, the same player he was in college. Joey, slow down. The NFL makes Joey you an old Bosa man. is one of the top five defensive players in the league. He, he's not playing against. They don't need Chargers him. last two weeks. They played against a Brown team that just left so many points on the table, and they played against a Raider team who clearly is an absolute fraud. And the fact that they beat Cleveland is still um, going to be one of the worst bad beats of the season, but. The Titans, on paper, this is a complete mismatch for the Chargers offense. But as far as the spot is concerned, there's a couple variables with Tennessee not playing shitty for the third straight week. And the Chargers, a team that had a lot of issues last year in the first quarter, starting slow. They're coming off a kind of a weird statement win against Cleveland where they were super juiced up. They were ready for that game. They wanted that bad after losing to Cleveland the first time. And so now, Chargers going to London. Um... If we saw a slow start from the Chargers and it was 7-10-0 Tennessee, 
I wouldn't be shocked. You might be in for a bit of a sweat and have to eat some words. Okay. I want to say one last thing about, uh, do you know what a deer in headlights looks like? Have you ever felt like that? That's exactly what Marcus Mariota feels like every single time he takes the football and goes back. (laughs) I'm dead serious. I'm going to tell you something. I said it before when we were arguing. When you get into the National Football League, you get old fast. And Mariota is getting old fast and brittle fast. He it doesn't matter if he if he tries to run with the football, he's not the type of player like Russell Wilson that can, you know, bounce around and go down on plays and, you know, get up and be the same type of player. Marcus Mariota's not built that way. He's taken punishment in this league. He is I don't care. He there's fear in his mind when he's getting back to to pass. And the Chargers defense lately has been playing good. They mix it up. I mean, you talk about you know Joey Bosa being you know the defensive player of the year. Melvin Ingram is a is a game wrecker. I mean, and I expect them to be solid in this game too. But again, for me, it just goes back to Mariota's. He's going to struggle in this game, and the Chargers are solid. Mariota's and Carr, but they both have had season enders, right? As far as injuries before, is like some pretty serious injuries. Yeah, no, Mariota with the broken leg week 15, I think it was 2016. Um, oh, end of, the, end of the season, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, I mean, Mariota, um, you know, he doesn't look right. And if the Chargers show up to play and they go to London and they handle this trip um, the way you'd expect professional franchises, you know, that the Chargers are clearly showing. Chargers shown. are a top-five team in football in my mind. You know, but when you go on a trip to London, you know, this is where coaching and, and attention to detail come into play and as we've seen the two franchises in the NFL that have zero attention to detail are the Cleveland Browns and the LA Chargers both cost me a couple pennies over the last couple of years <laughs> yeah I like the Chargers alright uh, well moving on I guess we could get to our best bets of the week fellas um, start off with lip service sure I'll go first this week um, since everybody's looking for winners they might as well come to me Washington Dallas cannot play on the road. You know, Dak Prescott may make some plays with his, you know, his his legs and those types of things. That's fine. Josh Norman will sh- shut down the side of the field. Washington will move the ball. I expect them to win by double digits. That is my play, Washington. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna probably have a good eye on the Texans and the Jags game. I think right now the Texans are getting five and a half. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. I was big on Jacksonville the last couple of years, like their defense. Some some looks different about them boys. Yeah, uh, it just it just they need interesting. Back. I like to look at. Yeah, I, I like to look at teams that are getting a lot of points close to a touchdown. Why not? Yeah, no, I lean Houston in that game as well. I think you might get to the window there. My best bet's going to be the uh, New York Giants um, locked in a couple plus sixes. Now it's going to be probably five and a half, five here for the next couple of days. But um, this is simple. Teams that give up 37.5 points per game over a month stretch uh, shouldn't be giving anybody uh, 5.5 points. Now, I think that does it for uh, Week 7. Until next time, let's run pure. Let's try to touch some numbers, man. It's a good session. Peace, y'all. Thanks.